Good afternoon and uh, welcome to podcast number three for the Autistic Women's Society. Um, today we're going to be talking about masking. So joining us um, is myself, Natasha and Charmaine. Hello, Charmaine. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Um, so yeah, so this month um, we're talking about masking. Um, so I've got a definition just off Google. Um, it says masking is a social phenomenon wherein autistic people learn, practice and exhibit certain behaviours and suppress others in order to appear more neurotypical. Um, so that might be like camouflaging or compensation. That is certainly a mouthful. That is a mouthful. So it's given some ideas, some examples of what masking is. Um, so they've got like hiding your feelings and mood imitating facial expressions, acting normal, uh, bottling up anxiety, thoughts and stims, trying to focus on conversations, but zoning out and like trying to not go nonverbal. So I think masking is a big topic and it, it varies um, from person to person. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it is a big topic. And I think the best place to start for me is um is explaining that actually everyone masks so even neurotypical people mask even those people that aren't autistic they mask so an example of that would be um you know having an argument with your spouse but still needing to go to work and save face or um i don't know having a difficult day with the kids and you still need to go and do your shopping you mm. would just pick yourself up and you and you go forward right so yeah. I think the important thing to highlight is that actually for, for those of us who are autistic, uh, masking is similar, but on a much larger scale. Mm. And I mm. think that's the, the, the thing that we need to highlight here. Yeah, I think it's a good follow on from um, our last month's awareness month because masking is really a way of survival um in a world where we're not accepted or um where our behaviors are like ideas are um are kind of not normal or not the same as other people so we can get bullied picked on um and kind of masking is a way to cope with that lack of awareness and lack of um, acceptance that people have um, for autistic difference. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about how you might mask in your life? Oh, this is actually a really big topic, isn't it? And, um, you know, you will know this because we've, we've already spoken today, but for our listeners, um, I, I actually had a really difficult day today and um, I could have quite easily not recorded our podcast Mm -hmm. But I decided to do it anyway, because I thought, actually, we're talking about masking, right? And we're talking about real life experience. So I had a really difficult day in that um, I had my day planned. I had a schedule as we like. I had <laughs> a plan and um, it went horribly wrong. Um, one thing after another just went really wrong. And that's part of life. We have to deal with that. But mm -hmm. um what happens for those of us who like routine, who like familiarity, is that it causes quite a lot of 
stress and anxiety and and we struggle to deal with that um and that happened to me this morning just before we were going out this afternoon to socialize social distance obviously <laughs> um but I had a complete meltdown you know to the point where I I couldn't I couldn't breathe properly and I was just overstimulated um we we, we were in the car my husband had to pull up and just the sound of the road was too much for me because the sensory stimulation was was quite high and too much, you know. Um, and I I had to take about 20 minutes just to breathe and, and self-regulate. And then we went and seen our friends and I put a smile on and we laughed and we joked and they, they obviously had no awareness of what had happened. And for me, that that is masking. Is, mm. is hiding my difficulties, hiding mm. the things that I struggle with every day um, because it's difficult to, for people to understand. And as you said, it's, it's difficult for, um, you know, there, there is a typical pattern of behaviour that people expect. Mm. And when we don't fit into that narrative or that pattern, um, we are seen as different or not normal. Yeah. No one wants to feel that way. No, no, it's not a nice feeling. It's not a nice feeling. So we we smile and we make extra effort to make eye contact <laughs> and we tell all the best stories and we make a massive, massive effort to do that. And it is cognitively exhausting. Mm. So then obviously I've had to come home and just lie in a dark room for 30 minutes <laughs> to recover. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you've done it all your life or? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've done it all my life. I think it's um, it's a learning process. There's quite a lot of research out there actually that by the age of nine, autistic women, autistic girls, have learnt um, camouflaging well enough to be misdiagnosed or undiagnosed at the age of nine. And that's, yeah. that's really scary, actually. Um, I know for myself, I remember being quite young and not really understanding why people did the things the way that they did. Yeah. But understanding that I was different and I didn't want to be different to everyone else. So those behaviors didn't come naturally to me. And I would just go, well, this is, this is what everyone else does. So this, is, this must be what I need to do. Mm. But the difficulty with that, of course, is that you, um, you take on other people's behaviors. Yeah. But the other thing with, with those of us who are autistic, we struggle with social situations and social cues. So it's one thing to take other people's behavior on, but then because we're camouflaging, because we're masking, because we've just learned that behavior in that environment, sometimes we don't always know what environment to use it in and we can exhibit those behaviors in what would be perceived as inappropriate mm. environments. And that's another difficult thing as well is knowing when it's okay to, to behave in that way. Yeah. What about you, Tass? Um, I think I've masked like 95% of my life. Um, I guess growing up, I always kept doing things wrong um, and didn't understand why 
you know, I had good morals, like I know right from wrong, but I kept doing things wrong and I couldn't understand why. Um, so I just put every effort into trying to be the perfect daughter, trying to be the perfect sister, athlete, um, student, tried to be perfect in every, every part of my life, copying and um, just doing what other people were doing and trying to not get into that trouble or trying to not upset people um, because that was happening unintentionally. And I think I like... I get to I got to a point in like high school I think it was like year 10 where I just couldn't do it anymore um and I was exhausted um and like a, a lot of my mental health like declined and like my education um was impacted uh, my relationships with my family and my friends um I was bullied um and still I think to this day like I still try uh, really hard to fit in really hard to do what other people do and behave in the way that they behave but it is exhausting yeah. um, and it's only in like the past like six months where I've been trying to like I've really understood how I mask and it's still a, it's a learning process that I've tried to like not mask all the time um, because it does result in a burnout um, but like going to work I will mask going to work um I'm fortunate to work with somebody um who's really accepting of my autistic um kind of traits um so I don't have to mask as much um when, when I'm with her which is really great um but it's still exhausting because you still have to put a front on like I answer the phone and if if I'm not feeling like I want to talk uh, for the day I still have to answer the phone I still have to act professional in the way and still have to talk to all the other colleagues and still have to do it all um because that's the socially acceptable thing to do um and it's and it's about learning um I've, I think while well, I was reading um something that was saying like should autistic women um, or just autistic people in general stop masking um and there was lots of conflicting kind of ideas about it and they were saying in, in a way, yes, they should stop masking because it is damaging and it's like harmful to themselves. Um, but it is also a way of survival. Like, I don't think I could be my fully self um, in my job or with, with people I know, um, even with my family to an extent. Um, so what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting topic. And I personally, I don't think that we could ever unmask completely no. because as I said even neurotypical people mask to a certain degree and also you know it's it's a really difficult process mm. it's a really really difficult process so I have been in the last maybe 12 months um trying to unmask myself and sometimes it's like just peeling back layers and it's hard to know where those layers end yeah. and where I am, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, like, it's almost like I'm like an, like almost like an onion peeling back those layers of years and years of traumatic experiences and masking and learning to do those things. Um, and, and where do you stop 
I suppose is the question and as you said it's it's a survival strategy as well you know um the the interesting thing that I that you said there that I was thinking is um when you mentioned about school and I remember being quite young maybe 12 or 13 um when I probably first started realizing actually socializing is exhausting I remember coming home from school and just being exhausted I would be non-verbal for hours I would need to lie down or fall asleep on the bus <laughs> just because I was absolutely exhausting from um yeah just trying to be like everyone else all day yeah I don't think I've, I've like really thought about well obviously I have thought about it but I don't know really to what extent that I mask yeah from day to day um like you just saying that you sleep on the bus like I going to college it was an hour and like a half journey there and back and I slept the entire time even going to work with my mom I slept in the car um but I never really connected that to like being social and it was just an always accepted thing that I needed to sleep a lot <laughs> yeah and and that's right you don't until you have till you actually have these conversations and you realize mm. what it is um you, you don't you don't realize the effect that it has on you you know being an autistic person um we you know we're having these conversations and there will be people that are uh, not autistic and obviously autistic women and, and men listening and some may be able to re relate and some some may not um but you you don't you don't fully understand you know you don't fully appreciate the effects that it has on you mm. until you actually start talking about these things yeah. start talking to other people that experience these things as well yeah. Yeah. Um, you know going back to what we the definition that we were given about masking and talking about you know um putting on those behaviors almost um you know for someone who doesn't experience that on a daily basis they may think something like well okay you have to make more effort to look people in the eye or you have to make a little bit more effort to smile or you know it, it can sound quite trivial but yeah. actually just to put that into perspective and and with regards to the conversation we're having about school um you know, if you're sitting in a class for an hour, six classes a day, which is what I had when I was in school, and um, you're trying to learn. But I remember being in class purposefully looking my teacher in the eye because I was like, I want them to know that I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was massive effort. And I was trying to learn and all of the kids in my class were, you know, they would be a little bit naughty. And I didn't want to be naughty. But equally, I was like, well, that's what everyone does. So I have to fit in. Yes, right? you've got to do a bit of both. You've got yeah, to so, like find the line yeah. between being the great student and fitting in with everyone else. Yeah. So on top of, you know, a whole days of day of learning in school, and that's exhausting enough, mm. um, you know, you have the added pressure and that, um, you know, exhaustion from the cognitive processing that comes in with constantly being conscious of yeah. your facial expressions your body language because it doesn't come natural we have to put it on right yeah. so yeah. that's that's exhausting it's absolutely exhausting yeah. and um 
yeah, as I said, when I was a teenager, I didn't really think very much about that. But now when I look back and, you know, over the last 12 months, trying to unmask and analysing those things, it's very eye-opening. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was going to say something then and I forgot. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was going to say that, like, for me... Um, because I have tried to explain it to people um, recently. And for me, because I've done it for so long, it is kind of like an on and off switch that I can turn on. Um, not very much I can turn off, like completely off. Um, but like when I come home, I can go to my bed and I can shut the curtains and be in complete silence and not have to talk to anyone. Um, and then when I go to work, I need to know I need to do all of those things. Um, and that's just from doing it for so long um, yeah. that I know the social scripts. I know what to say um, when you're going into an interview. I know you've got to look them dead in the eye and approach them with a, with a firm handshake. I know all those things. Um, and that's and, and I've done I've done quite well in my life doing different things. Um, because I've learned what is the perfect way to do it yeah. uh, from other people. Um, and I, I still don't think, you know, that there's nothing that I can't do from copying other people. Yeah. Um, but then the question is, well, then who am I actually? Because yeah. I've been asked, I'm explaining the, like, the concept of masking and then I've been asked, well, are you lying to me then? Like, are you just acting in a way you know you're supposed to be acting? What is that? What What do you want to act? How do you want to be? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, and like you said, it's about unpeeling that and see and like discovering who you actually are, um, yeah. which is a really big process, um, which I probably won't actually get down till about another 10 years. But um, yeah, it's 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 complicated and yeah yeah that's really interesting that you just said actually um you know putting a time limit on how long it would take which may sound um unusual but you know I completely get that I completely mm -hmm. get that as I said I'm you know 12 months into this journey but I'm also 31 yeah and um that means I've had 30 years experience of learning to mask mm. so it, you know it's going to take more than one year to learn to unmask isn't it yeah yeah and a lot of it is unconscious oh yeah completely yeah. unconscious you know I I think I've told you this story recently but I um you know, even down to things like when people ask you, are you OK? And we, <laughs> and we just go, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. How are you? Yeah, that was the example I was talking about when they were like, well, are you lying? And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, but you don't really want to hear what I wanted to say. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell you I'm OK. Yeah. And that's and the type of thing that comes. On. Yeah, that's the type of thing that, come, that comes from experience, because, hmm. you know, we are, I say we, most of us, most autistic people are quite literate. No, literate, literate. <laughs> I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> um, 
we are literal. Very literal. <laughs> I'm going to start again. <laughs> Most autistic people are quite literal. Mm -hmm. So uh, when someone says, how's your day been? Or Charmaine, you look upset. Are you okay? You know, I would be inclined to say, oh, actually, I've had, I've had a pretty good day or I've had a bad day today or let me tell you about my day seems you asked about it um, I, I am upset actually and this is why I'm upset um, mm. but actually that is that is just a conversation placeholder yes um, and people really actually mean the things that they say quite literally um, so yeah. yeah you know that's another thing that we have to learn over the years we go oh okay so people ask questions that they they don't actually mean <laughs> yeah no it's just a hi really just another way of saying hi yeah and um, then I get confused when they actually like look at you and go really how was your day and I'm like are they actually asking me now <laughs> do I actually have permission to say my entire thought process because it's going to take a real long time and it might seem intense so I'm just going to yeah. play it cool and just be like yeah I'm all right thanks yeah and that's yeah. the other thing because as autistic women, we tend to overanalyze as well. Mm -hmm. Now that's a massive gen generalization, and I do understand that. But typically, autistic women do um, overanalyze. And um, you know, if someone, if I, if I'm speaking to someone who is generally interested in my day, then I will break my thought pattern down completely for them. Mm -hmm. And by the end of that conversation, you just get the blank stares back, going, "Yeah, oh, that's a lot." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, and it can come across very intense and people don't like yeah. that. Um, so it's sometimes better just to say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think? Go on, you go, go. On. <laughs> um, When people say, um, you know, when you tell them you're autistic and they say, um, oh, I wouldn't have known um, you don't look autistic. Um, I wouldn't have known you, you hide it really well. What would you say to that? Um, that's a really good question. I see a lot on the autistic communities um, when this comes up and I love a good meme. Don't get me wrong. I love a good meme. Um, and I see a lot of memes, but I see a lot of posts about this. And naturally it hits a nerve for us because, mm. you know, we spend our whole lives um, trying to be something that other people expect us to be yeah you know and, and it's really really hard and make no mistake for anyone that's listening that you know isn't autistic it is hard it's, it's extremely extremely hard it's mm -hmm. extremely difficult to try and preempt what other people expect of you 24 hours a day um and rightfully so it, it does it does hit a nerve for a lot of people when people seem to be insensitive and say things like oh you don't look autistic and i understand why people get upset about that mm. um my take personally is that people say those things because they have a typical understanding of what autism is they have a stereotypical view um of what autism is and the behaviors that are typically associated with autism Hmm. and when they meet you you don't meet that typical stereotype and I don't think that they mean it in 
an offensive way. No. They just go in, oh, okay, you don't meet the stereotype. Mm. But they, some people will also say things like, oh, but you're very smart. <laughs> yeah. or, or you're very social. <laughs> um, and I think obviously they don't understand if all the effort that goes into being social and all the difficulties that come with it. But yeah, my take personally is that we can take it personal and we can mm. hit out, but um, ultimately, you know, our goal is to educate people. Yeah. And I think if we if we want to do that, then we need to be compassionate. Yeah. Kind. We need to be understanding and we need to be able to have real conversations with people and not take offence to those things. Yeah. You know, when someone says to me, oh, Charmaine, I didn't know that you were autistic. You, or for whatever reason, don't meet the stereotype that I have. I see that as an opportunity to say, oh, do you know what? That's such an interesting topic. Mm. Um, let me tell you a little bit about that stereotype and how untrue it is. And let yeah. me tell you about the struggles that I have and millions of other people, millions of other autistic women around the world have because of those stereotypes. And yeah. I think that those conversations need to be had to break those barriers. See, when people ask me that question or say that to me, I get instantly, like, I feel instant shame and feel like I have to justify, oh, yeah, well, I do this thing called masking and, like, I am actually feeling all these things inside, but I, you, I don't let you see it. Mm. Um, and I feel like I have to justify how I'm autistic um which is hard to do um if when you've spent your entire life trying to be normal um then to say well yeah by the way well this happens this happens this happens which means I'm autistic um but yeah yeah and it's it's hard to um you know as you said they having to explain to someone is difficult where do you start you know where do you start when someone says, you know, even having that conversation, where's the starting point? And when you do explain to people, how do you explain the, the actual effort and difficulty that comes with it, you know? I think, like, somebody asked me this last week, actually. Um, I was having, I had an appointment and um, it was a doctor and he was saying, like, well, how are you autistic? And I was like, well, that's a very big question. Um, I don't really know. Um, so we was like, right, we'll just leave that then. But I have tried to like explain it to people. Um, and obviously just, I think I do downplay it a little bit. So it's not so scary. Yeah. Um, but I explain that I spend a lot of my time when I'm not around people planning how I will talk to people. So if I have a conversation coming up um, that I'm aware of or a meeting with somebody, I will spend hours and hours and hours practicing in my head that conversation from my perspective and from their perspective, saying it slightly different, saying it like you know in in, in a different kind of tone. Um, and I will literally spend hours and hours and hours every night doing those conversations like last night I spent hours and hours planning this conversation <laughs> um, and it is exhausting 
And especially the fact that when you actually have that conversation, it never actually happens. How you plan? <laughs> because obviously you can't like predict what the other person is going to say. So it never yeah. happens. How, and then that throws you off because you've planned it all and you said, no, well, society says you should have responded in this way and you didn't. Yeah. So I, I now I'm stuck. And then I end up like losing track or I end up like losing control. And then that makes me um, like panic and it just spirals down. Um, so I did try and explain that to somebody and they were like, well, that uh, sounds a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you point, you actually touched on two really interesting points there that I would like mm-hmm. to talk about. So first one being um, when we lose track that's a really interesting thing to talk about because you know just to build a picture of what that's like we're trying to hold a conversation in our minds Mm -hmm. we're trying to anticipate the the person that we're speaking to their behaviors their um responses we're conscious of our surroundings because we are sensitive Mm -hmm. to um you know different stimulations um we are just trying to manage our facial expressions and our body language and trying to manage all of that and sometimes you get distracted and then you have to kind of mentally do a checklist like oh which one of these balls have I dropped (laughs) (laughs) I zone out of yeah yeah and the other thing is um control Mm -hmm. and I think that this is a really big issue for people um you know Typically, we like control. We like yeah. to have control of our environment because we learn that, you know, what we like. Mm-hmm. Um, different autistic people will have different experiences. For me personally, um, I'm very sensitive to noise, so um, my 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 ears hurt quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, if I'm having, you know, a particularly sensitive day, I have to knock all of the electrical appliances in my house off. And um, that's a really important factor for me to be in my own environment. Yeah. And be able to control those things. But when I go into other people's environments, when I go to work or friends' houses, or as I said today, having a meltdown in a car where... Mm actually the sound of the road the tires hitting the road was so loud and penetrated my ears that it, it overwhelmed me yeah and, and it's really difficult to be able to control those things outside of your environment yeah and um I think that's a really difficult one for people to understand you know and it brings me on to another topic um because we're talking about masking from the perspective of having to put on behaviors Mm. but we haven't yet spoken about the need to cover or hide certain behaviors yeah and um I know for me if most of my friends if you're listening to this most of my friends will know I always if I'm in a social environment where I'm trying to mask I sit on my hands Mm. and that is because if I don't they are absolutely everywhere. I'm like, I talk with my hands, I fidget. I'm like, I'm playing with everything all the time. And at the moment, yeah. like my hands are running through my hair and I'm 
I just like rub my head, like I rub my forehead like this all the time. And people are like, have you got a bad head? I'm like, oh no, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I do. Yeah. I play with, I'm, I'm always playing with my earlobe. Um, and, you know, trying to mask means that we're trying to fit in. So yeah. when people are consciously pointing out behaviours that are not typical, then of course we want to hide those. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tass? Do you have any behaviours that you... Um, yeah, I think um, since being diagnosed um, four or five years ago, um, and it has been strongly accepted by my family now that I'm autistic, um, I don't have to mask to the same extent that I would have done uh, previously. Um, so I don't have to hide some of the things. Um, so, but I noticed like how different I am um, when I go around to my family's house than say I go to work or I go to friend's house or some, something like that. Um, so like I often say things wrong. So I say phrases wrong um if my mother is listening she'll be laughing her head off because she's was planning on making a book out of all the phrases I say wrong um I just say things like the wrong way around or so like um a kind of worms I would say kind of beans because you know it is a kind of beans um and I don't know whether that is an autism thing however it is something that I do um that I have to be really like conscious about when I'm in other environments um growing up though it was hard because they uh, my family would laugh at me when I would say things wrong and I I did get upset because I wasn't doing it on purpose um it was frustrating me that I was saying these things wrong um but and then got to a point I think where I just said like I don't like it when you laugh at me uh, because I'm trying to say things normally and it's just not coming out right um and they they stopped and uh but now it's kind of more accepting now uh, because of the diagnosis um and I'm accepting it more than I do it myself um and I think um recently um when I, I think I was around at the weekend or something and I started talking in a different accent um which is something we actually have covered on <laughs> after like we have conversations with people who speak in different accents that we kind of imitate their accents like towards the end or yeah we, yeah. we often say this don't we just let's, yeah. let's explain this for the listeners so <laughs> Tass is from where are you Bolton. from Tass? Bolton. 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 And I am from South Wales. So slightly but, different. Yeah but both very strong accents. Yes. And, um, yeah, whenever I read your messages, I read <laughs> with your accents. And we talk for so long, by the time I get off the, the, the phone or the, the video chat with you, well, I start talking like you then. Yeah. And I notice I do it sometimes and I'm like, oh, wait, no, stop, because they're going to think I'm taking the mick out of them. Yeah. So I need to stop doing it. But then I'm like, oh, so it's unconscious of that as well like Australians <laughs> I, I do that accent all the time and yeah. I'm like really sorry um 
So that is like a masking thing because you're not supposed to take the mick out of people by doing their accents. No, but it's just it's just second nature to us that we pick up yeah. other people's behaviours and um, it's, it's hard to drop them sometimes. And and again, it's relevant to the conversation that we're having about unmasking as well. It's, it's, mm. it's something that we've learned to pick up other people's behaviours, but then learning to drop them is quite hard. Yes, definitely. Um, I think another thing I... Um, have done more recently in the past, um, well, well, I'd say since I was a teenager, is I do go non-verbal um, certain times um, when I'm getting overwhelmed. Um, but I know that in certain situations, you can't go non-verbal. So even when it, non-verbal for me is just when I can't talk because I'm so exhausted. Yeah. Um, I still communicate, still write things down, but I can't talk. Um, I know in situations like at work, it's hard to be able to give myself that break and not talk because yeah. you're expected to talk. Um, I think it scares people when I don't talk. Um, so I push past that. Um, and as a massive consequence, like I get burnt out 10 times more because I have to constantly talk and it's not just talking it's thinking about what you have to say are you saying it's in the right way are you saying the right words are they going to perceive it in the right way then what do you say yeah. if they don't perceive it in the right way are you speaking in the right tone um, and it's constantly having to analyze like you said before all of those things um so like with um coming home I, I know I can be non-verbal when I'm at home and I don't have to talk to anyone granted I don't live with anyone so that's not an issue anyway um and yeah that's something I I do and it is a coping strategy I want to say or I don't know um just something that I have to do if it gets too much and I get overwhelmed uh, but it is something that I have to mask and not do um, all the time um, because it's not socially acceptable to not talk yeah and it again brings us to the how exhausting it is mm. you know to have to do that to be at the verge to be at the point where your surroundings and your environment have become so overwhelming that you can't process mm. anything that's going on it's become so overwhelming that you can't formulate words yeah. verbally. Because I'm the same. I can, if I become non-verbal, I can text. So I can process to a certain degree. But talking is physically too much too much. Yeah. But to be at a place, you know, where you are completely exhausted, completely drained. And what you actually need is some space in a probably a dark, quiet room to actually just regulate. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that when you're in work. No. You can't do that when you have children. No. You can't do that when, you know, you're a teenager and in school because your teachers expect you to do PE or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where the exhaustion of masking comes in because we have to push through that so hard that it, it burns us out. 
yeah. and, it, and it also speaks to the fact that actually it's a large part of the reason why autistic women go so long being without being diagnosed yeah we are so good at it we are so so good at it you know I, I know I've said before but I was 27 years of age when I was diagnosed with autism mm. 27 years of my life that's all the way through school yeah so you know all my first jobs my relationships even being a parent dealing with that stuff and not knowing why is really hard yeah is what do you think the consequences are of masking um i think we've we've touched on um um burnout sorry <laughs> i tried to do it silently um burnout is obviously the biggest or one mm. of the biggest consequences is that for us personally is that we burn out very what would the burnout look like i think there is a typical um a typical perception of what burnout is but i think that it does vary person to person for me if i'm burnt out and i typically i know my own patterns of behavior i typically burn out twice a year and that's been true for the last 10 years i've known that um, at least twice a year, I would burn out. And um, that, for me, that looks like two weeks off work or doing nothing. Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. I need to be in my own environment where I'm not just surrounded by people who have expectations of how I need to behave and how I need to talk and, um, you know, not having to process other people's expectations when I can just be in my own environment and relax and do the things that will help me recover. Yeah. You know, just swimming or reading, or sometimes, you know, I don't typically watch a lot of TV, but when I burn out, I will watch TV, you know, Mm. because it doesn't doesn't take a lot of cognitive processing for me to sit in front of the TV and be able to watch TV. I don't need to process an awful lot, you know? What are the signs that you're having burnout? Um, I have to be honest, I'm not always the best at recognising the signs. I have become increasingly better at recognising those signs. Um, For me, it's things like um, sleeping a lot. So I don't typically sleep a lot. I sleep maybe six hours a night. If I'm coming to burnout, I will sleep 10 hours a night, 11 hours a night. And I will struggle to get up, whereas normally I'm, I'm up first thing, no problem. Yeah. Um, grouchiness. So you know when you're around the people that you love mm-hmm. and you can maybe be a little bit short with them. And that isn't my character. That isn't the way that I am typically. So... If I recognise that I'm a little bit short with people, then that makes me question, why am I short with people? And if I'm sleeping a lot on top of that, and if I feel exhausted, then I might be inclined to think, okay, I could be burning out a little here. Time to ease up on myself, you know? But um, it's not as easy 
it's not always that easy as I said for me I will do that at least twice a year but then what do I do with work do I use my holidays to burn out so I'm not actually using all days for holidays do I put in sick time and get penalized for it yeah you know so it it brings a lot brings around a lot of questions as well um, I think increasingly so, more employers are becoming aware of the difficulties with mm. um, having autistic people work for them and the difficulties that people have and yeah. are becoming more accommodating to that. Yeah. And I, my, my hope is that that continues to happen. Mm. But it's a difficult conversation, as we said, to have with anyone, especially having to sit down with your employer who sees you ha- as someone who's you know, very confident and outgoing and happy all the time. Yeah. Sit down yeah. with your employer and say, actually, um, those behaviours are coping strategies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, you know, having to to mask and cope with things for so long means that I burn out and when I burn out I can't do those things I can't come in and do my work I can't come in and put a smile on I can't come in and you know be happy I think I'm not very good at saying that um I think I push past the uh because I haven't really ever recognized when I'm having a burnout and to the point where I have a meltdown um and it's one big giant horrific event that happens um and I don't think even now um like I had um a burnout a few weeks ago and at the start of the week I was noticing uh and my colleague was noticing that I couldn't remember things that I would normally remember I can normally multitask and do 100 different things at the same time I couldn't do it um she kept having to tell me like what I'd forgotten to do um I just went really quiet um and I kind of I don't know at what point it was that I was like this is probably a burnout um but I went home early um and I I just went home and I slept um and I think I've been recovering ever since because I've been at home every night after work and I've slept now I would could never say to work like I can't come in because I'm having a burnout, I would force myself in, make myself worse, um, just to meet that expectation um, that, you know, everyone can go into work and everyone needs to be in work and all that, um, and that I'm doing so well all the time um, and trying to maintain that. Um, So I think I would like to be able to say I need a few weeks off and actually have a few weeks off but I think I'm getting to the point where I'm just trying to utilise the time I have after work or the time I have at the weekends, like this weekend. Other than picking up a new bike yesterday, I am obviously doing some painting and stuff in the garden today. I have been in bed um, for the entire time. Um, Not spoken to anyone. Um, It's probably the first conversation I've actually had uh, with somebody this weekend. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the fact it's Bank Holiday Monday tomorrow and nobody will be in work other than me um, in my little area. So I don't actually have to talk to anyone. Um, so I'm actually quite looking forward to that. Um, but I think that is a big consequence of masking and um, just bringing it back. 
uh, that people need to be aware of and and for it not I think because it's so different from your normal functioning happy self to completely not being able to function at all yeah. uh, it scares people um but it shouldn't because we just need a little bit of time to soothe ourselves to get back um and then once we do we can go again um but well, that's that's how it is for me anyway give me a few days and I'll jump back in and go again but um yeah yeah do you have any last minute uh, last thoughts before we finish um I was just thinking as you were talking there um as I said I am I am hopeful that as people begin to talk about these things more and awareness and acceptance becomes a lot more natural um, that that will have positive effects on a multitude of things including like work environments and um, you know relationships and and everything else and um, you know just to touch on one of the things that you said about work and you know being able to sit to explain to your employer and I, I know I've I've struggled with that um it just it just reminded me that actually within the counseling environment the counseling community um it is completely accepted that counselors and therapists will experience at some point at multiple points um compassion fatigue Mm. and one part of compassion fatigue is burnout and because people are so aware of it it's completely accepted you know when one counsellor says actually I'm at burnout I have compassion fatigue from dealing with other people's emotions other people's expectations or whatever it may be Mm. that they need to go away and they need to self-care and that's what we need. Yeah. That's what we need. We need awareness. We need acceptance. And we need to be able to say to people, actually, I'm exhausted. I'm at burnout. I need to self-care. Yeah. And I think that is a good um, good note to finish on. Um, so thank you for joining us. Uh, well, joining me, talking about asking. Um, um if uh, we've got a Facebook page, um, so Autistic Women's Society, I didn't forget to say it, um, <laughs> and go and like, um, and if you have any questions, comments uh, based on uh, what you've heard um, in any of the podcasts, or if you've got any questions, feel free to uh, just message us or comment on any of the posts that we've got. Yeah.